Welcome to On the Prowl. Hi everybody, welcome to On the Prowl. I'm Robert Rudd. And I'm Ramey Johnson. Thank you for listening to us today. Today on this episode, we have Greg Gaston with us from Sports 56. Also, Tiger Broadcaster. Hey guys. Hey, coming on. It's my pleasure. And this is pretty cool. How long have you guys been doing this? Yeah, month and month and a half at this point. Tell me tell me about the idea, how you decide obviously we're all locked down and there's a lot of things and new new kind of ideas we can come up with. So tell me about the idea to do this. Well, I've always wanted to have a sports podcast for many of years and I've been listening to many radio stations like ninety two nine and sports fifty six on the radio. So I got a microphone for, for my birthday and mm-hmm. I always wanted to do something with it. So I said, hey, Ramey, would you want to do a podcast with me? And he said he'd be honored to. So I said, why not start it? So we started it, and now we're rolling. Fantastic. Fantastic. And you guys are uh, obviously both from here, from Memphis? Yes, yes, sir. We're both. We just graduated from White Station High School. White Station, great school. Great school. I know a lot of, a lot of yeah. folks who graduate from there. So anyway, that's that's enough of my questions. Uh, I'll hand it over to you guys, and whatever's on your mind, love to talk to you. I'm a, I can tell you this, I've been around a long time, so if you got questions about broadcasting, I've been doing it professionally since 1985, so long before you guys were born. Wow. <laughs> so let's talk about Sports 56. How did you meet Eli, and what made y'all want to start the show? So it was interesting. So I, I came here in, in 1995, and I was the sports director at Channel 24 slash Channel 30 mm-hmm. TV station here, and I, I did that from 1995 till 2007. And uh, somewhere in around 2005 i had already done a couple of shows at sports 56 uh, one of the shows i did was with my old weekend sportscaster michael eaves who you may know from espn uh, so we did a show on uh, sports 56 and then i did a, a, another show a short-lived show with peter edmiston who's on sports 56 right now so that show had finished and in 2005 i, I get a call from from eli and i did not know who eli was and he only knew of me and he said let's get together and talk about a possible show so in 2005 we decided to do this show and we got the longest running show in the city we've been around for now 15 years and we've always been during this time slot we're on now 10 to 1 we started 11 to 1 but we've added an hour over the last four four or five years so we're 10 to 1 monday through friday and that's how we started eli just out of the blue contacted me i was still on tv i was still over at 24 and then I had moved over to Channel 13 for five years. And then I did another show uh, on WKNO called Sports Files. So I was always doing the TV work and the play-by-play work while I was doing radio. That's how Eli and I got started. So you had mentioned that you've done a million things. What, what would you say was your dream job growing up? Well, I think I start, when I grew up, I wanted to be in television, sports broadcasting. As a kid, I always wanted to be a sports broadcaster. And obviously, I wanted to be an athlete. But... Right. That wasn't to be. I mean, I was an athlete for my my teenage years, but I was not a, going to be a professional athlete. Right. So I always wanted to be around sports. I, I, I love sports. So um, I knew I wanted to be a sports broadcaster. Sometimes you get lucky and, and you're able to do what your dream was. But at first it was television and it really wasn't play by play or radio. But as I started to do TV for years and years, I did 27 years of local television news. At times, it got a little monotonous, a little boring. So I wanted to to start to broaden my horizons. And that's when I got into play-by-play. I've had the opportunity on, on all the networks to do play-by-play with a lot of different sports. And I think I like play-by-play and radio much better than I did doing television news. It's, uh, it's amazing how much we've advanced technologically just over the last 
four or five years. I mean, we're doing yeah. a Zoom thing. I mean, I can, I'll tell you this. I didn't know what Zoom was before COVID-19 hit. Me and too. now I'm on a lot of it, right? I'm, I do a lot of these things now. So the technology has really, really changed. And if I go back to when I started in broadcasting, and that was I graduated University of Maryland in 1984, started in radio in New Jersey in 80, right after I graduated, and then got the TV in 85. I mean, just it's night and day how you put a sportscast together, how it's aired on the air. It's it's nuts. But now, over the last few years, five, ten years as well, it's all changed. So we now now people can watch our show. Before it was you, you listen to our show. That was it on the radio. You listen to the show. Yeah. Then we expanded where we're FM, AM, we're on three different stations. And then all of a sudden the World Wide Web and the chance to people that go to our website and watch the show or listen to the show. Then you have all of a sudden Twitter and, and YouTube and all these places that you can watch our show every day. And it's crazy. And not only for, it used to be again, local radio, only in this vicinity could people listen to you. Then all of a sudden it's worldwide web. Everybody can listen to you everywhere. Now they can all watch you everywhere in the world. Right. So it is crazy how it's changed. You mentioned that you went to the University of Maryland and I know you were a student back then and you are now older, not to not sound funny, but- A lot older. <laughs> <laughs> what, what would you say are some of the differences that you've noticed between like a place like Maryland and a place like Memphis? Sure, well, Maryland, I not only went to school there, but I started my TV career in Maryland in 1985 okay. and was there until 1995 until I came to Memphis. Right. So Maryland, Maryland was even different from where I grew up in South Jersey. So, so South okay. Jersey was all about, about professional sports. It, it, college sports was not even a, a thought growing up in the Northeast. It was not, unless you were, unless you were around Penn State or maybe if, like a little bit in the Midwest, like Ohio State and, and all that. You grew up in Ohio. Yeah, yeah. If you grew up in New York, New Jersey, Philadelphia, I was 60 miles from Philadelphia. It's all about professional sports. It was never about collegiate sports. So then I go to Maryland where I, I take radio, television, and film as a major, and I start to, to go to the campus radio station, start to work and, and learn about the business. I, I realized that because I'm in a big school, Maryland, basketball specifically, but football yeah. too, was big. And so that's where I really started to learn about the collegiate sports. But my gosh, when I came to Memphis in 95 to do television, mm -hmm. that's when it just took off how big collegiate sports are here in Memphis. Because yeah. you gotta think, when I got here in 95, there was no Grizzlies. That's right? true. There was no Nashville. There was no Titans. They were mm -hmm. in Houston as the Oilers. There was no Predators. All that stuff came since I've been here. So I got here, it was all about University of Memphis and University of Memphis basketball specifically. Now football is really, really good. And right. the SEC football. So I had to, uh, to adapt to the the mindset of the sports fan down here. And I've been here now 25 years. So I've been here a long time. But it was, yeah. it was changing my mindset to collegiate sports more than than pro sports. But, we, you know, now we have the Grizzlies and all that. So we yeah. still have a lot with the, with the professional sports. But collegiate sports, especially college football and basketball, huge down here. Would you say you're more of a uh, collegiate sports or pro sports fan? I think I'm starting to believe that I'm more of a collegiate sports fan. And, and I think the reason is, and I have my favorite teams and I, I, yeah, yeah. I have my favorite teams, but I think it's because I've been around so much. I, again, you guys, so I'm put this in perspective for me. When were each of you guys born? What year? 2001. 
I was 02. 02 and 01. Okay, yes. wow. Okay, so when I came <laughs> here in 95, not only to, to be the sports director on Channel 24 and 30, mm -hmm. but I also came to be the to do play-by-play -play for the University of Memphis on television right. and to the coaches' shows. So I know they have the radio broadcasts, and, and, and Dave Willotion does that, and he's a good friend of mine. But I would do a bunch of the TV games. And when I started, we would be doing games on ESPN, ESPN2, Fox Sports, all these different networks. But as, as time went on, we started to get less and less games because so many networks came, came to, be, to be. And also this, this internet that we talked about, all mm -hmm. of a sudden you can stream. And it goes back to your question about live streaming. So now when I do the TV games for Memphis basketball, you'll see them on ESPN3. Right. ESPN3. But when I started out, it was I was traveling all the time with the Tigers because I did the coaches' shows as well as my sportscast, as well as the play-by-play. -play. Yeah. So I, I fell in love with that. So I was on the road for all those games, going back to the John Calipari days, uh, at the very end of Larry Finch, who I know you guys weren't around, but you know of Larry Finch. Yes. So being able to do that, got me close to these guys and close to the program. And now I sidelines for football. I do baseball color commentary for the radio. And I think because I'm around the collegiate sports so much, plus SEC country, I've covered national championship games. I've covered SEC media days and things like that. I think, I think my lean is toward the collegiate sports. That makes sense. That makes sense. So what's been your favorite Memphis Tiger memory at the Liberty Bowl? It would probably be last. I mean, last year was, the best year they've ever had. So yeah. last year we had a national a conference championship and they had to beat Cincinnati twice, as you guys probably know. Yes. So I think, I think the championship clincher going out, I was down on the field, obviously doing sideline, mm -hmm. doing the, uh, the interviews after the game down on the field when they were getting their trophy presentation, talking that. to coach and the AD and the president and the commissioner of the conference, Michael Resco. I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. And then it got even better when I got to cover the Cotton Bowl. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, nobody ever thought, even though they lost, nobody ever thought in their right mind that this day would ever come that Memphis football would play in the Cotton Bowl. So I think I think that's my my greatest memories of Memphis as a sideline reporter. Now, I've also done in the past, but it's been, a, well, it's a couple of years. But back in the day, I used to do several TV games for football for mm -hmm. Memphis. So, and back then it was D'Angelo Williams. Oh, yeah. And, and to be able to call some of his games was wow. incredible. Because once he touched the ball, <laughs> 80 yards, 90 yards, he was gone. And most of the time it was. So that yeah. was a great memory personally because I got to do the play-by-play -play there. But I think last year was just, like, magnificent. And you guys are obviously old enough to know how impactful that season was. I didn't go down to the game day. I don't know if you guys are, are Tigers fans. And if you oh, went yeah. to that. But Big that Tigers fan. Right? Going to Nobody you. thought. Nobody thought that could happen. So. Yeah. yeah, college game day, that was the most, one of my best memories because I was there that morning behind the stage and I got to see Pat McAfee interview Penny. Yeah. And that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's really neat. I, again, who would have ever thought that we'd be in that situation? And then I looked up and saw the, the whole team above me. So. Oh, isn't that neat? And, well, and the they were on the roof, yeah. And as well as it went with all the people that were there in support, that maybe down the road, if the Tigers continue to win as a football program and continue to get better and better, it'll probably come back. I would it did so well. I would love that because I'm going to the U of M, so I would just love to be able to be a student for 
for that experience. Like that, oh, that's, yeah. that's, that'd be mind blowing. But um, you've worked with different sports and especially like play by play. That might be a hard job, like starting off. So like, how would you say you were able to adapt to like the speed of the game and not not necessarily football, but more so like basketball, as you mentioned, because it's a very fast-paced game. You go back and forth, back and forth. How were, how were you able to adjust to all of that? I, I think I think pretty easily with with basketball. I'm, okay. I just you, if you know your sport, and as a kid, I used to do tapes. I used to sit in front of games and watch them on TV. Sounds mm-hmm. corny now, but I used <laughs> to have a little tape recorder, and I would used to broadcast the play-by-play. So it it was really early, but it started to get me on the road to to one day maybe having that possibility of, of doing play-by-play. But again, that, like I told you guys, I wasn't thinking play-by-play when I graduated college. I was just, I was thinking television. Right. So, um, but there are sports though that are very hard to, to adapt to. Uh, ice hockey, I've never done ice hockey and I think I would really struggle with ice hockey. You, you have to have a pretty good memory as well to, to connect the numbers to the yeah. name. I'm not the greatest with that, but with, with basketball, and I've done a lot of different sports, but I think ice hockey would be would be tough for me. But mm-hmm. basketball, I've done both the television play-by-play and the radio play-by-play. And okay. I used to do co- the Conference USA tournament when Memphis was in the Conference USA tournament. Right. I used to do that for both uh, radio and TV. So the difference is with, with the two play-by-play. With television, you see, obviously, I'm, yeah. I'm not telling you something you guys don't know. You see the action. You don't have to say everything that you say. And it drives me crazy when I hear broadcasters that do that. You, they call it laying out. You don't have to talk all the time. It's right there. So that's the difference between radio. You have to paint the picture. You have to describe everything that's going on. Because first of all, if you're not talking, there's dead air. And that's not good. So that's you true. have to make sure, right? People, people are not able to see. So you're describing it for them. That's a big difference between play-by-play and on television and on radio. There's also yeah. a big difference between the analyst and the and the play-by-play broadcaster. And I've done both of those as well. I've done as I do now with baseball for Memphis University of Memphis. I've been an analyst, and sometimes I would do play-by-play, but basically I've been the analyst. Whereas uh, other times I would be doing the play-by-play. With the analyst in in television, the analyst is pivotal because again. I'm the play-by-play guy, but people see what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm talking about I'm talking about um, uh, whoever you know, Derrick Rose knocking down a jumper. They can see that. Yeah. But the analyst who tells us why he's favoring his left dribble, left-handed dribble to right-handed dribble, is really more important. In radio, I think the play-by-play guy is much more important because he is or she is describing everything that you're you're trying to division mentally. And whereas the analyst is not as important because there's really not that much time to go to the analyst when it's radio because radio is continually talking. So they're the difference between the play-by-play and the, and the um, color commentator. Yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a fine line, but there are the big differences. Besides like doing radio and all of your, sport, your sports, what is your favorite thing to do in the city of Memphis? I, I think going to um, – I think the Memphis Zoo. I think the Memphis Zoo is great. I think we have one of the best zoos in the country. Oh yeah, for sure. But I certainly love going to the Memphis Zoo. I love playing golf. So one of my hobbies is going out and playing golf. Went yesterday and played golf at Miramichi. Whenever I can get to to go out and play, I'm not that good, but I like going out there, being out in the fresh air. Yeah. Um, camaraderie with your your foursome and and having a little fun like that. So and then I I enjoy going to restaurants, which right now again, as you guys know. It's, 
know, it's kind of an iffy thing. They're starting to open up the restaurants a little bit more now for people to actually dine in. But, you know, going to a nice restaurant and things of that nature are pretty cool. Speaking of restaurants, what's your favorite one to order for takeout now during this pandemic? Well, we've done um, Andrew Michael's Kitchen a number of times. And Andrew Michael has the five or six different restaurants here in, in Memphis, the Great Canary and a bunch of other ones. That's, um, that's a real good restaurant. I, you know, if it's, if it's more casual stuff, I certainly like, um, you know, Huey's, they make a great hamburger. I like <laughs> a lot of the barbecue places are really good. I'm partial to central barbecue. It's, you know, it's a few of them. I've been to a number of different ones, but the take it, the takeout's fine. I still miss the, the dining inside the yeah. inside restaurant. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just not ready yet to jump back in that, but pretty soon I will be. So what's going to be the first thing you're looking forward to doing after quarantine? I would say probably having a vacation, getting, getting away and going somewhere because it's been a long time since I've, I've had that chance to go to, um, to visit family, maybe back, back in the uh, East coast and, and maybe go to the beach or something like that. I think that would be really nice. If I get that, hopefully get that opportunity sooner than later. And also you just, just getting back to watching live sports. Yeah. And I talk about it every single day. It's my, it's my life. It's my profession. But I, I miss, I miss not only watching them on TV, but I miss actually going to the events. We had our baseball season. Memphis had its baseball season cut down. We did about 14, 15 games. So we missed the next, whatever, 50 games thereabouts. Mm-hmm. And I miss that. Plus, I also do uh, MMA. I'm an MMA broadcaster. So I do V3 fights, which is a, usually a pay-per-view event Mm -hmm. and I do that and we haven't had an event since February so I miss going to wherever it is to do those broadcasts. When do you think sports will like eventually come back? So okay right now we know a couple of things we know this weekend NASCAR starting up. Yes. Uh, And and it's funny because NASCAR actually covered for 10 years when I worked in Maryland. Dover Downs we would cover races at Richmond International Raceway and Mm-hmm. Charlotte Motor Speedway. So I wasn't, I didn't grow up a NASCAR fan, but I grew to, to really like the sport because the, the individual, the driver is really cool. I've had a lot of them on, on my old TV show back in Maryland, radio hits and all that. So NASCAR is going to start up this weekend, no fans. So, it's, mm-hmm. and it's always going to be strange without fans. We yes. know that US, USC returned last weekend with no fans. And the PGA Tour is supposed to be starting up basically in a month, a little bit less than a month. Mm-hmm. And that's important because you guys know with the WGC FedEx St. Jude Invitational we have in Memphis. Yes. We hope, we hope that it's, it starts out well on the tour and they don't have any setbacks. And then we know we'll have our tournament, which was pushed back to the end of July, beginning of August. But will we have fans? I, I don't know. I, I, I would doubt right now that we're going to see any sporting events soon with fans. So do you think college football and NFL will have fans? No, not at the beginning. No, I don't. Um, it, it, now, if you if you're going to tell me that the college football season is going to be pushed back to February or January, February, somewhere in that time time frame, maybe, probably. But mm-hmm. if it kicks if it gets kick started in September, I don't think we're going to have fans right away. It, we may end up having those fans later. I just find it hard to believe that we'll start with fans, and I would think the same thing for the NFL. Will, like, media guys and, like, announcers still be allowed? for And, like, camera guys and all them, will they be allowed in the stadium? Yes. Well, some. Some will. So all these sporting events still plan to be broadcast, okay? So you're going to have your 
if it's a radio broadcast and a TV broadcast, you're going to have those crews. I think you're going to be limited on how many members of your production team can do this. Certainly, they don't want to put on a bad, a bad display. So they're going to have to have enough, but I think it's going to be the bare, bare minimum mm -hmm. of how many people they can have. As far as regular media covering these events, they're going to be very limited. For example, NASCAR this weekend, it, I think it's at Darlington, there's only four members of the national media that are allowed. Wow. Four. Now, I'm not talking about the broadcast. You, you'll still have, and I'm not sure who's broadcasting the race, but if it's, it might be Mike Joy, Jeff Gordon, those guys. I'm not sure if it's on Fox or whatever. But those guys will be in place. But as far as the regular media people, it's going to be the national uh, publications that will be covering. So that could be a problem also for us when it comes to the WGC. Hopefully things will be even better, but hopefully things will be a lot better where more media will be able to come, especially the local media, to be able to cover the local event. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I miss the NBA and the Grizzlies. <laughs> Who doesn't, right? Dude, I'm, I'm missing sports right now. <laughs> did you guys get to go to a, a lot of Grizzlies games, or did you watch most of it on television? I went to most of them. Or not most of them, I went to a lot of them. Yeah, I, I was able to go to a couple. I, I usually watch them with Pete and Brevin. I love they're, yeah, they're outstanding. In fact, Brevin will be on my show tomorrow at, at noon. He is, oh wow, he is a, he's a good guy, and Pete is as well. They're just oh, yeah. good people, and they they do really really well with the broadcast. Yeah, it's it's a shame because we had the season that we didn't expect much, right? Yeah. All of a sudden, John ja Morant just and I I thought John ja would be great, and it, but I thought it'd take a little bit of time. He blossoms yeah. into star. And the Grizzlies are sitting here in the playoffs, and all of a sudden, boom, everything stops. So yeah. we to have the season that the Grizzlies were having, but it was pleasantly surprising, and we were all kind of fired up and ready to go as we, we knew it would be tough down the stretch, but they were battling to keep the eighth spot, and then and then everything's halted. So, I, I, you know, my fingers are crossed that they have a resumption of the season, even if it's just the postseason would be fantastic yeah. because the Grizzlies would be involved. But Correct. I don't know. They got, they got a lot of hoops to jump through to get it done. Yeah, Commissioner Silver said they were going to meet in like two to four weeks with the yeah. decision. I think, yeah, I think uh, June 15th is probably the target date to really decide, have okay. a decision by that time whether it's going to continue. Because after that, you can't really linger on too much longer because you have training camp that's going to have to re restart. You're not just going to go out there and play. And then also you want to make sure it doesn't affect too much of next season. There's got to be an off-season for these guys. They're going to have to have time to recuperate between the, the resumption and the finish of the one season and the start of another one. So that's why they're talking about next December as opposed to late October to start the season. But there's, there's a lot to get accomplished and a lot to figure out from a safety standpoint. So therefore, I think June 15th is probably about the right time as a uh, – and I'm not sure if they're calling it like a drop-dead date, but I think mm -hmm. it's probably time to make that ultimate decision. Real quick, how do you think Ryan Silverfield is going to do with this Tiger program? Really well. He was on my show today. I keep throwing out plugs for my show. But he, <laughs> go right ahead. Yeah, and that's the cool thing, too. We, we, we talked about how things have changed. You can go to the website. You can listen to my show. You can listen to Hour by Hour podcast. You can listen Very to true. Featured Audio, where Ryan's on Featured Audio. So it's fantastic to be able to, in case people missed it. Before, if you listen, you had to listen at the exact time the person was on or you missed it. But yeah. Ryan, he is a football guy. And yeah. to be able to keep Ryan, who has the NFL experience as well. Very true. Um, guys, and obviously he, he coached under Mike, so he has a, a an interesting system that will be somewhat 
close to what Mike instituted, where it'll be a, a high-octane offense. He did an amazing job with the offensive linemen over the years to protect for the great quarterbacks that the Tigers have had in the last five or six years. I'm fired up. I, I just didn't even – I didn't even fathom what would – was to come if they went outside the family and got somebody else to coach because it could have been the complete changing of the system. And I think people are loving this system that the Tigers can score on anybody. Oh, yeah. Look at the the points they put on the board against Penn State. Now, they gave up a lot, but I think people rather see a shootout than see 13 to 6. So, to answer your question, I think think Ryan's going to do a great job. He's already doing well with the recruiting and I know the recruiting has completely changed. It's, it's more of this, right? You can't yeah. go face to face, but I think a lot of people have bought into what Memphis has done as a program. Mm-hmm. They know they're producing NFL players. That's Just true. Look at what's happened, right? The last three or four years. So people know they can come to Memphis, play in a very fun offense and also in a, in a great city and then still go to the NFL without a problem. First, second, third, fourth. Three. It, it, it used to be where back in the day, some of the smaller schools, they didn't find you. Now they find you no matter where you're at. So I, I think kids are more apt to want to come and play uh, in, in Memphis, play in a bigger city, play in a big stadium. I think Silverfield's going to really, really do well. The Liberty Bowl is going to be rocking oh, if yeah. they have fans. I, look, I, I don't want to go back to what it was. When I first got here in the late 90s, there was hardly anybody there, and, and Memphis would lose 10-3 to 3 and it'd be boring games. You know, Tommy West got him going with D'Angelo Williams. They were able to get D'Angelo to come to Memphis, which was a coup. But then they had the the, the letdown, and, and they dropped back to where they once were. And before uh, they ended up, after hiring Larry Porter, it was a disaster. And just, it just went, and Larry's a great guy, too. But but then when Justin came in, it turned things around. You're, you continued that and even went up with Mike Norvell. And now you hope that continues with Ryan. And I don't see any reason why it shouldn't continue. Great. Smart, touching mind. And he brought in a great like NFL staff, if I'm... Yeah, he's brought, he's brought in guys certainly with NFL experience. No, Not everybody, but a lot of them have that experience. So that's that happens. Great I think no because look, look at what, what, what Penny now. It's a little bit different with maybe with basketball, but I, I think to some degree it's, it's similar. You have Penny, who has Mike Miller, and, and even Cody Topper didn't play in the NBA, coached Coach, in the NBA. Yeah. So you have those guys... And that's the enticement for a kid to want to come into Memphis and play because of that experience that his coaches have. So why not with football as well? Guys that have, have coached, even if it was just an assistant coach, position coach, even a grad assistant, but they have those ties to the NFL. Yeah. It does not hurt whatsoever in recruiting. They still, they still know what it takes to make it to the next level, for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners today? Well, I, I just want to tell everybody that what you guys are doing is, is absolutely fantastic. I think now, especially if you want to be in broadcasting, mm-hmm. I can't speak for other professions because that's what I am. You guys are doing the right thing. You have more options now to be able to to learn right. and to talk to people who have been there and, and, and know the business uh, in and out. And I think you just keep doing what you guys are doing. When you go, um, you know, go to school, try to get involved with the local campus radio station if you can, do things, reach out for internships. Don't think about the big picture where you want to be one day. Hopefully that will happen. you got to think, let me just get my feet in the door. Let me learn. Let me ask the right questions. And then the sky's the limit. There's no reason why if this is what you want to do, you can't do it. You guys are doing it the right way. And that's why I said yes to your invitation, Robert, to come on because anytime I can help out 
young people that want to be in this business, I am going to certainly be there for you guys. Well, thank you. That means a lot. You're welcome. You're welcome. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode of On the Prowl. I'm Robert Roden. I'm Raymond Johnson. Love you guys. Peace. Don't forget to join us next time on the Prowl. With the boys, yeah, we swoop, yeah, we swoop. And we got them high clocks, and we'll shoot, and we'll shoot. With the Mercedes Benz in the coop, in the coop. And this shit's so fing hard, it's on loop.